Welcome to Kingdom Talk Radio Hour with Dennis McCork, founder of God Hope Ministries. Kingdom Talk is where Christ is King, and we are the subjects and citizens of the Kingdom of God. Oh, yes, we are here on Kingdom Talk 2.0, talking all things Kingdom. We're taking a deeper dive into the scriptures uh, from 12 to 1, Kingdom Talk, and then Kingdom Talk 2.0, Saturday afternoons, going, as I said, deeper into the scriptures with Pastor Charlie from Clovis Christian Center. Pastor Charlie, it's such a joy to be with you again. Yes, thank you very much for having me here. It's really a joy to talk about the Word of God here with you. Yes, and uh, I want to make sure that your mic is working well there. Um, And so, you know, we're looking at what it is to be citizens of the kingdom of God, but specifically, how do we navigate these times of deception that we see going on in the world? And earlier, on Kingdom Talk, we were mentioning how that there's this form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, and how that we have to be aware that from within the church is deception and false teachers. But we want to lay this foundation on Kingdom Talk 2.0 regarding the fact that we're talking about uh, no compromise on the essentials. You know, in essentials unity, in non-essentials diversity, in all things charity. So we are not talking about peripheral teachings regarding eschatology, pre-trib, post-trib, amillennial, premillennial. Uh, although those things are important, they're not essential. And we want to make sure that we're recognizing that holding a particular view on a verse or a passage or even a non-essential doctrine is really not the issue. It's about corruption of core essentials and then using that false teaching to divide the church. That's what a heretic is. Yes. That's what a false teacher is. And so we've got to... Uh, to be aware of that and recognizing it's going to take a good hermeneutic, a heart hermeneutic of really humility and holiness and being uh, fully given over to Christ and um, really uh, stripping ourselves from presuppositions when we come to the Scriptures so we can rightly divide or handle the Word of Truth. Uh, And so, by the way, as I quote that Scripture, are you familiar with how um, there's a particular the dispensationalist will use that term, rightly divide the word of truth to say somehow you need to divide the gospel of Paul from the gospel of Jesus. Have you heard that before? <laughs> yes, I have yeah. heard that one. Yes. <laughs> Which the better translation of the Greek there is to rightly handle yes. the word of truth. We're not to divide uh, the gospel. There's only one gospel. Uh, and, uh, you know, that that's also another, uh, I think, misperception is I've heard Preachers talk about the gospel of grace, and then there's the gospel of the kingdom. Somehow the gospel of grace is that anything goes, Jesus loves you, you're in, yes. you got your ticket to heaven, but the gospel of the kingdom is is lordship salvation. Well, there's only one gospel. That's right. Yeah. And um, so moving forward, we want to make that clear, you know, that we are here to unite in truth. We want to facilitate the unity and the robust demonstration of the kingdom of God as a singular capital C church in the city in the region, really around the world, because uh, we're united in the core essentials of the divine, preexistent, eternal Son of God coming into the virgin womb of Mary, being born, walking this earth in complete obedience unto death, even death on the cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, pouring out His Holy Spirit. He's coming back. The Bible is true from the first word to the last, and that we must keep the moral teachings of Jesus and align with him. That's the core that we're, we're, we're united in. Yes. And, you know, uh, hopefully next week, uh, Dennis, we can bring up this whole issue of 
what is it that when people start getting off? And as I've studied cult groups and false teachings, they always get off on who Jesus is, his nature, who mm. he is. Uh, they are all, every cult group has the incarnation wrong. That's why Paul and first, uh, John and first, uh, John chapter 4, he spoke about this is how you can tell whether it's the Spirit of God. This is how you can tell the Spirit of error, Spirit of truth, and that is if they believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, if he is God incarnate. And every cult group, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, all the different cult groups have the incarnation wrong. So if you get Jesus wrong, everything goes wrong because he is the truth. So things go wrong. Wow. So we want to, next week, we'll, I'd like to cover that area and just talk about it because that is such a key thing. We we got to get Jesus right. You get Jesus wrong, everything goes wrong. Really looking forward to that deeper dive because yeah. we've just tangentially touched on it in Kingdom Talk with regards to the deception that's going on, Gnosticism, New Age, uh, and all of that. And uh, that's going to be really important. We'll probably get into the, Cal- the Council of... Um, uh, not the Nicene Council, but the Chalcedonian Council, mm-hmm. uh, and look at uh, the divinity and the humanity of Christ. And that's going to be a really exciting and important time and teaching. Now, um, just to reemphasize again, we're not talking about worship styles or whether you, you know, what day of the week you worship or types of music that you, you have in your services or dress standards. We're not talking about this. We're not even talking about pedo baptism, you know, versus adult believer baptism or infant baptism. Uh, we are talking about how we must discern regarding the deception, and there's so much warning. And we talked about this in the scriptures that we've been warned: mm-hmm. "Be not deceived." You know, many times it says the word "many" is mentioned six times in in the Olivet Discourse there in Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to continue to uh, to dive deeper this week on how do we, as subjects and citizens of the kingdom of God, how do we move forward discerning between good and evil, what's sound doctrine, what's false doctrine, what's a true teacher, what's a false teacher or a false prophet or a false Christ. And we know who the true Christ is, and that's one way, right? Yes. We can, when we know who Jesus is, again, it goes back to Jesus, yes. the historical, biblical Jesus. Yes. That from there, we, we, when we see a pseudo-Christ or a false Christ, a lying Christ, then we can immediately discern that, can't we? Yes. And uh, I love Paul's statements all through Galatians when he had to deal with the Galatians because they really missed the gospel. They, they, the Judaizers mm. had confused them. And right away he started saying, look, and if you're going to get circumcised, you've totally missed the gospel of grace. You know, so they, they really, wow. uh, he didn't even tolerate them for a minute, for one hour. He says, we, we, we had to deal with this right away. We couldn't tolerate it. He couldn't tolerate it in Peter or Barnabas. <laughs> he really came after them really hard because uh, once you miss the true gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to be totally, the foundation of your faith is gone. My so that's, goodness. That's, that's so important that we get Jesus right and the gospel right. There was a crisis of faith there in Galatia in the church. There was a crisis of practice where uh, the Judaizers, were, you know, they, they were they were wanting to find their uh, covenant justification through the old law, through circumcision, and um, and even Paul and Barnabas were getting swayed a bit until Paul, he dealt with it forthrightly, didn't he? Yes. He right away, he confronted uh, 
Peter, it says he confronted them to his face in front of everybody. <laughs> this was a- such a huge issue that uh, because Peter was an apostle, you know, and he was ministering to the Jews as an apostle. And so anyway, that was such a critical area that he had to confront Peter even openly, publicly and rebuke him because this was going to really lead a lot of people astray. So. And so that's the right response to uh, heresy. Because yes. that was dividing the church. That was an essential. Yes. That somehow, outside of faith in Christ, through keeping the law of Moses, through circumcision, that's the only way that you can really be identified as a member of the covenant people. Yes. This morning I was reading in First Corinthians 15, and Paul says, hey, how can it be possible that some of you are believe that there is no resurrection of the dead. He goes, hey, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then your preaching is vain. Your faith is vain. Everything's empty. Nothing's going to work because we're out here preaching that God raised Jesus from the dead. And if that doesn't take place, then everything we're doing from then on is all vanity. And Paul marveled that they were so soon removed from the grace of Christ unto a different gospel, not another of the same Nope. but a different gospel. An entirely different gospel. Yeah, yes. and so we're going to be talking about that going forward here. And and just as we, as we get into this, um, I just really love this here in 1 Timothy, as Paul says to his protege, his apostolic emissary, Timothy, uh, and he says, I urged you when you I went into Macedonia to remain in Ephesus so that you would instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Heterodidascalia, mm-hmm. other teaching, other gospel. And uh, so that's what we're doing here today is we are, uh, we're warning to, to be aware uh, and even ourselves to make sure that we are proving all things, holding fast to that, which is good. Yes. And, uh, and, and, and the thing is, is that uh, they were teaching, you know, uh, myths, Jewish myths and genealogies that uh, ministered questions rather than godly edifying or God's plan by faith, right? Amen. For the goal of that commandment. So, so Paul says the goal of me instructing you, Timothy, to warn false teachers, um, the goal is that love from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. Amen. That is sound doctrine. Amen. That's what we're talking about here on Kingdom Talk Radio here. This is Kingdom Talk 2.0 every Saturday here on 1550 KXEX the best talk in town. We have Pastor Charlie here, and we're going to dive deeper into God's Word. And uh, it's important that you are aware, and I would highly recommend uh, that you uh, go ahead and purchase Pastor Charlie's book online there at Amazon. You can get it false. Actually, he has, he has it available, the book, uh, on Amazon. And um, it's Detecting and Dealing with False Teachings. But also, you have a teaching seminar online, don't you? Uh, Yes, we do. On our website, teacherthebible.com, you can go there and click on our uh, seminars tab, and we have the whole um, uh, seminar that we do on how to maintain sound doctrine, dealing with false teaching. And also, on Saturday, March 25th, next month, we will be doing that teaching, and we'll be making announcements as that comes, that people are invited to come here in the Central Valley. If you'd like to come in person while we do that, that's going to be great. A lot of Christian believers are going to be gathered together for that meeting. Wow. Well, that's great. Um, and uh, so go online and check that out. Uh, and so, you know, we were talking last week about, you know, who these false teachers are, false prophets, false Christ. You know, what do they teach? Um, and we have been warned. But moving forward in detecting and ad- identifying false teaching and teachers, um, 
you know, they all claim to be true, right? You don't, you don't get a teacher that comes in and says, hey, I'm a false prophet or what have you. Yes, that's correct. And uh, one of the comments that I make that I highlight in my book is every false prophet and every false teacher claims to be a true minister and to be representing and teaching the truth. And so this is the problem that we have, right? They're not coming and telling you and announcing to you, hey, I'm a false prophet. I'm here to deceive you. I'm here to lead you astray. They never say that. None of them have ever said that. They've always come claiming that they're preaching the truth of God. And uh, it's interesting, as uh, we were talking earlier uh, uh, before we got on the program, that uh, these false apostles, they transform themselves into apostles of Christ. Satan transforms himself into an agent of uh, an angel of light. Satan's ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So, and, and so you notice that one word, meraskitsomatso. Uh, it's it's a word that means you're changing the schematic. You're changing mm. the whole drawing. The whole drawing is being changed. Meta to change, and skitsomatso uh, is the schematic is being changed. The whole drawing is being changed when uh, it, with these people. So they're transforming themselves. They're transforming mm. themselves. Three times we see that in there. So that's that's the problem. They look like the real thing. That that is the deception. They look like they're supposed to be people of God, but they're not. And so this is where we have the problem. Yes, uh, boy, I tell you, and and they come in sheep's clothing, so they they look like they're the real deal, and they are not. And even further up there in First Corinthians eleven, he says, "I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you." In other words, you are engaged to one husband mm-hmm. that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Yes. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Again, that's what these false teachers are. Yes. They have transformed themselves into apostles, false apostles really is what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they uh, are coming in with subtlety, uh, sophistry, mm-hmm. uh, and really just uh, oratory skills and deception. And, uh, and so your mind should be corrupted from pure devotion to Christ. This is the yes. thing. It's a diversion away from Christ. Yes. The true Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what the enemy wants. He yes. wants worship for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul warns about this, you know, with the uh, Ephesian elders there in Acts 20, he meets them in Miletus and he says, uh, you know, take it unto yourself and all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he says, um, from your own selves, he says, after my departing, grievous wolves shall enter in among the flock, not not sparing the flock, and of your own selves, yes. men arise speaking perverse things. Yes. Coming from within the church. Yes, that's a scary thing. Um, so one of the things that I, I say a lot to our congregation is they don't, they don't come looking like an ugly monster, because if that was the case, you could detect them right away. Mm-hmm. But they come looking like Cinderella. You know, they're very beautiful. They're attractive. They're, they look innocent. But uh, they look like angels of light, they look like apostles of Christ, and they look like ministers of righteousness, but the truth is that they are wolves. And uh, But Paul, uh, Jesus gives us an answer, right? He says, how can you detect them? He goes, by their fruit. That's how you're going to know them. That's how, And that's why we need to test the spirits, we need to test the apostles, we need to test everything, and we need to be like the Bereans. They were ready to test. They were ready to make sure that what Paul, even what Paul was saying, was in the Word of God. And so that's what we want to know. We want to make sure we are testing what people are saying with what's in the Word of God. They received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things 
are so. And how much yes. more should we be doing that if the Bereans were doing that with the Apostle Paul? Amen. Yeah, so, yeah that was so, serious. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and so, so again there in Acts 20, it says they were drawing disciples after themselves, not to Jesus, mm-hmm. not making disciples of Christ, but of themselves. And that's why we see here, Paul, it says he fears Lest by any means, the serp- as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, your mind should be corrupted from the pure devotion to Christ. For he that, if he that comes preaches another Jesus, a pseudo-Christ, really, mm-hmm. another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you too easily bear with them. Yes, and so I think that the key for true teachers, people who are going to truly teach sound doctrine, is we're always pointing people to Jesus Christ. Hello. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way. Everything is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God. Everything we're doing, we're trying to give glory to Jesus Christ. So our focus is not to get people following us, it's to get people following Jesus Christ. Paul even said, imitate me, follow me as I follow Christ. And so our focus then in true teaching and sound doctrine is to point people to Jesus Christ and not to ourselves. Wow, I love that song, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes. Give me Jesus. Amen. <laughs> yes. So, yes, moving forward here, Kingdom Talk 2.0, we're taking a deeper dive in discerning between false apostles and true apostles. Yes. False teachers and true teachers, uh, and Christ's as well. And so um, these false apostles, again, they, they, they transform themselves. I love that compound word there in the Greek. Uh, mm-hmm. What is that? Metas? Kizumitsa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The schematic has been changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the drawing that they were using, the architect had used to make everything, excuse me, was uh, was uh, uh, was changed. It was all changed. So the schematic is all wrong now. And, so, and the schematic is God's word. Yes. The schematic is Jesus himself. Amen. Yes. You know, I wanted to uh, make a comment. Why Why did this whole book and this whole seminar that I uh, put together, how did it come about? And I, and I want to tell you, tell you the personal testimony of it, was there was a, a gentleman here locally in uh, one of the local churches here in, in town that I knew the pastor. In Fresno. In, here in Fresno. And uh, he got a teaching online, and it, and it was from a person, I can even name him, was, his name was Kobus Van Rensburg, and he was a South African, he was called a prophet. And he began teaching a heretical teaching, and it was known as the immortality teaching. He had some other wrong teachings, and they handed me the outline. It was 15 chapters, 140 pages long, and I read through it. And Dennis, what was interesting about it is page after page after page after page, he was quoting Scripture. He was quoting Scripture. He was quoting Scripture. And as and I was looking at it, I began to uh, notice something. I said, you know, the main question no longer is— is it in the Bible? The main question now I ask is, is this what the Bible is teaching? And mm-hmm. people are taking things out of context. People are, you know, the, the statement, you are gods, that's in the Bible. It's in Psalm 82. It's in John 10. Jesus quoted it. But that doesn't mean that we are little gods or something under under the Lord. And so it's not just, is it in the Bible? We also want to ask, is this what the Bible really teaching? And that's a huge thing. And that's what was wrong with what this guy was presenting. He quoted a lot of verses, but that's not what the Bible was saying. Yes, exactly. And the Proverbs in the Scriptures talks about, in all you're getting, get understanding. Yes. You know, and so Amen. we need to be uh, searching the Scriptures. We need to be crying out for knowledge and understanding. And uh, 
So we know he says here in Proverbs chapter 2, he says, uh, so that, this is verse 2, um, he says, so that you incline your ear unto wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yea. If you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her Amen. as for silver and search for her as for hid treasures, then, really only then, mm-hmm. you shall understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Amen. Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth and comes knowledge and understanding. Amen. Yeah. So so as we uh, look further into this, you know, uh, even Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Mm. Isn't that something? How yes. uh, that he uh, is uh, is really uh, depicted as being some someone who is attractive, you know, mm-hmm. who uh, actually is light. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's called uh, the son of the the morning Lucifer. Yes, the morning star, right? Right. So Satan can't come at us the way he really is, because then we would flee from him. We would see, you know, how ugly he really is, how how bad he really is. So, and that amazing him as that he is the father of lies. That he's he is has to transform himself to make himself look good, so people can accept him. And so this is the deception. This is the heart of so much of the false teaching that's out there. It looks good. It sounds good. They can even quote a few verses to make it sound that way. But we, one of the things we'll talk about today is how do you detect this false teaching? How do you know that this is really what the Bible is teaching? And so these are important things that we have to be established in. Yeah, they're, they're knockoffs. Mm-hmm. It's not authentic apostleship. It's not authentic teachers. They're not authentic teachers. And so, um, you know, we must be aware and looking. And uh, as, as we go forward, you know, we see that um, they, they, they look like sheep, but they're actually wolves. Mm-hmm. And so how do you detect them? You know, by their fruit, as you pointed out. We're to be a fruit inspectors. Uh, and so what does some of that fruit look like? Yes, well, um, uh, a lot of times what uh, false teachers will bring is they will make comments that right away should be red flags for us. They are. They will make statements that right away should uh, uh, make uh, warn us. Uh, just last week, I was reading a book, and the, right at the beginning of the book, the guy was saying, "I'm teaching here something that almost nobody is teaching. I'm the only one teaching." And those are those are red flags. Those are those are statements that people make because they want to be exclusive. They want to be the only ones. And so one of the one of the statements that I want to uh, tell you to to listen for it if you want to detect whether somebody's teaching something wrong. If they say this is a revelation that no one is currently teaching, okay, so that that is that is a flag right there because number one, you, that's kind of a very proud statement. Number one, but you, how can they know that nobody else is teaching this? They don't know what other people are teaching all around the world, but that is a very common and a very proud statement. And one of the things we see from cult leaders. And people who are teaching false statements is they, they make statements that show that they are exclusive, that they're mm. the only ones. We're the only ones with this truth. We alone have this truth. No one else has this truth. And that opens the door up for deception. We cannot be making statements that we're the only ones teaching this. This is, this is going, leading people in a wrong way. Well, yes, you know, and uh, as you point out, you know, it may be just because the Bible doesn't teach that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not in the Bible. That's why nobody else has un- understood it that way. And that's that is definitely a, a good hermeneutic. I, 
I, I call it a horizontal hermeneutic. Yes. You know, there has to be some history there. I and mean, it's important to understand, you know, doctrinal development, you know, doctrinal yes. uh, history yes. uh, of, 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 of the main Christian teachings uh, throughout history because it helps us be accountable to the body of Christ. Amen. To the church. You know, Paul, Paul says that uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, there at the end, he says, we have the mind of Christ. He didn't say, mm-hmm. I have the mind of Christ. Yes. That's so there's, good. there's a corporate ascertaining yes. a, the deposit of the faith, as Jude says, that was once delivered to the saints. Amen. So we must earnestly contend for that faith. And that's what we're doing here on Kingdom Talk 2.0. Uh, and we are contending for the faith, the deposit of the doctrine of Christ. Amen. It's tried and true throughout the millennia. Yes. God's holy word. Every word is true. It's been tried and tested. And uh, so we uh, can trust God's word. And, and we've talked before about how in First John that um, uh, everyone that is of God hears us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth, the spirit of error. So if it aligns up with the apostolic teaching or all of Scripture, then we know it's true. Amen. One of the things that I have done, uh, Dennis, over the years, I've, I, I developed into this, was that um, when I do teaching like uh, devotional books that I put out together, like on Second Peter or the book of Esther, mm-hmm. Jude, I've done different books. But um, like when I did the one on Second Peter, I used 15 different commentaries. And some of those commentaries were ancient commentaries. Some of those were from a couple hundred years ago. Some of those were recent. But I was looking at what other godly men and godly women were saying, and I was receiving input from them. And I was receiving mm-hmm. the balance and the instruction and the knowledge that these people had. And I think that's such an important uh, element, just like what you said, we have the mind of Christ. It's not I have it. I'm the only one that has this truth. No, if it's the truth, then pe- other people will have seen it too. So we're being guided into all truth by the Holy Spirit. So we do need other people, godly people. We get their input. And for me, I've got, I've grown so much. I've gained so much more understanding by listening to what other people have said about these same scriptures. And that's humility. Yes. And that's Amen. another good heart hermeneutic is to be humble when we come to God's word and to learn from one another. And so uh, there was just bringing this home here. There was a pastor in, 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 in uh, Southeast Fresno uh, that actually believed that they were the only people in the whole world who had the truth. Is that correct? Yes. It was almost humorous, uh, but uh, he, he, he lived over, they, the, the church was over off of Tulare. I'll just tell you where that is. It's, it's no longer there. It's, it's a church that was there for many, many years, but they're no longer there. But that pastor actually believed they were the only people in the whole world that were teaching the truth of God. They thought everybody else was in error. The main pastor of that church taught that he had not sinned in over 40 years. Uh-huh. And he was using First John chapter 3, I think it's verses 6 and 9, where he says, whoever's born of God does not sin. He was mm-hmm. using that King James Version. Misusing it. it. Yeah, there was a pre- it's a present tense. He does not continue, continue in sin. Given the life over to. Yeah. And so, um, incredibly, the people were believing that this pastor had not sinned in over 40 years, and they mm-hmm. were the only ones walking in the truth of God. And it was amazing. God really shook up this pastor. And... Um, he reached out to me at a prayer meeting here in, in Fresno, and, and we became good friends, and he was able to come out of that cultish belief. Again, the the cults always believe they're the only ones. We're exclusive. Nobody else has the truth. We're, we're the people of God only, so we're the only ones with the truth of God, and that's a lie. So we wow. can always get 
delivered from that. Did the pastor come out or just this brother that was in that church? The whole the whole church ended up coming out of including that, the pastor. Including the pastor. And so, so he became healthy and understanding. He became a good very wow. very very Amazing. skilled in the word of God. And so that was that was a miracle. That was really a miracle that, that he came out of that. He was great. in a crisis. He was in a crisis yes. and that brought him out of it. So What a great testimony, Amen. you know, uh, of of the power of God's truth to help somebody find their way out. There's something intoxicating about that. It's a spiritual elitism. It's spiritual yes. pride. Amen. It's a, it's sectarianism gone amok. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we have it. No one else does. And it makes, it makes you feel special, you know, we're the only ones. Yes. Know? And it's very intoxicating. Yeah. One of the other uh, statements that you want to be on the alert for, and that is when, if somebody were to tell you, this is a revel- revelation that no one has ever taught. Um, and as I say, you know, that's probably not a new truth. It's an old lie. And, uh, I think one of the reasons why nobody has ever taught it is because nobody has ever believed it, you know? And so many of the cult groups today, they're teaching their revelations and that no one ever in the history of Christianity has ever taught this. And you can be sure that is a key sign of deception because, you know, in in our Christianity now, almost 2,000 years, somebody would have seen it. Somebody would have known it. Somebody would have been taught it, you know. And so if for somebody to come up and say, nobody has ever taught this, you can already know they're going down the wrong way. And there's actually people that it's, they say that. It's, it's kind of a common thing that you see on YouTube videos. I see people saying, oh, nobody, nobody has ever taught this truth before. So it's a scary thought. Well, that's one thing also to be aware of. We're wanting to bring your attention to as you listen to Kingdom Talk 2.0. Every Saturday afternoon on fifteen fifty KXEX, and uh, that that th- uh, these teachings are all over the internet, aren't they? They're on yes. YouTube. There, there's podcasts. There's all kinds of false teaching out there. It sounds exciting about aliens and giants <laughs> and you know Nephilim and all these kind of things. You know that are being just promulgated online. Yeah. Um... And it's, it's, it really, again, it's amazing how gullible we Christians are to receive those types of teachings. And, uh, uh, one of, one of the ways they get around that, this, this newness that, that nobody has ever taught this is they'll also say this, this is a new revelation that's only revealed for this last generation. Mm-hmm. So that's why. Nobody else needed to know it, so that's why God reveals it to us right now. This whole immortality teaching that this false prophet from South Africa, Kobos van Rensburg, had, he got it in 1986. And he goes, well, that's why nobody else had it, is because it was only supposed to be revealed in this last generation, and I happen to be the prophet God selected to to uh, get this revelation. So again, you see just that word you use, very good, elitism. You see this pride that comes forth from this teaching. And so you got to be careful with people saying that God is revealing this at the last day just for us. We're the only ones that knew about it. And that's also leads people astray. You know, and uh, as you point out in your book, Hebrews 13, 9 uh, reads, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. There's something strange about these teachings. It's just, again, if you know the truth, it stands out, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The truth really, uh, it should convict you. It should change you. It should transform you. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so uh, we know when the truth of God hits us, it touches our heart. It delivers us. But when you hear these strange doctrines, Hebrews 13, 9, it, it uh, really um, causes problems for us. And again, uh, I was reading this book last week, and 
I just noticed something strange. It just didn't feel right what the guy was saying. There was just something that was not right. There was a certain strangeness about it. And uh, you and I had kind of a humorous conversation about this some time back uh, with William Brannan, the yeah. um, uh, who lived uh, from 1909 to 1965. He was from Jeffersonville, um, Indiana, and you know, after a while, the the his followers began to believe that he was more than a prophet. You know that he was the seventh angel from the Book of Revelation, chapter ten, and he began to preach something that was that was very strange. He be, he he began to teach about Abraham, Billy Graham, William Brannan, and he noticed that all those names had H A M at the end: Ham, Abraham, uh, Billy Graham, and William Brannan. And he made a big deal about that. He said, look, and, and he even counted the letters. You know, there was seven in Abraham. There was only six in Billy Graham. There was seven in Branham. And seven was the number of perfection, you know. And so when you hear somebody talking like that, that's strange. That, that, is, that is weird. You don't need to, that, that's just, you don't need to follow that. So there's something strange about these teachings. And so we, we have those examples. And I remember uh, back in the 1980s in the Midwest, there was an, uh, a pastor that came preaching uh, that uh, President Reagan was the, the Antichrist. And people asked him, well, well, how do you know that? And he goes, well, just look at his name, Ronald Wilson Reagan. And so there was six letters, six letters, six letters. So there you go, 666. And so they began to preach that Ronald Wilson Reagan was the Antichrist, you know. So uh, again, you hear these strange teachings, and it's amazing that people can actually begin to believe these teachings. But oh my God. Uh, again, they, if they sound strange to our ears, we need to leave them at that. They're strange, and they need to be rejected. They're not the truth of God. Well, this whole thing about, you know, William Branham and Billy Graham, that's what I call hamming it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, so yeah, the, the, and then it leads to departure from the scriptures. You know, this, I believe William Branham taught uh, this the, the, the manifestation uh, of the sons of God doctrine, mm. uh, that you could live forever in this body and just overcome sin completely. Yes. Uh, and that's a... Uh, another, you know, bad teaching as well. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, as we look at the scriptures and we look at what's going on in our world today, there's there's a church right here in, in town in Fresno, and there's actually mm. um, thousands of these churches around the world where they believe the founder of their church uh, is Almighty God. And wow. he died 20 years ago, so now his wife mm. is Mother God. Mm. Right here incredible. in Fresno. And they're, they're out, I'm talking, they are... A, proselytizing they're very evangelistic yes we've had people in our church that have come and told me about them so yeah yeah and so we want to be aware mm -hmm. uh and uh, again if we can have discernment between those who are duped by this false teaching and speak the truth in love we have to be careful though yeah. we don't want to be taking on and rushing in where angels fear to tread but we need to in accordance to the calling the gifting the authority and the understanding that one has to address these things uh, I personally do engage them, and I do open the scriptures, uh, but I'm not saying that everyone should do that. It's all a matter of what God's asking you to do, and I would personally seek counsel from your pastor and get some good guidance on how to approach these situations if you run into them. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, uh, highlight one other last thing here about detecting false teaching, and that is this. The false teacher will quote no one except himself. Mm. And this is this is a critical test. And if you look at any false teaching um, that's being promulgated right now on you 
on YouTube, a lot of these guys, it's them. They, they got it themselves. They can't quote anybody else. They can't quote anybody from the last century or the previous century or during the Reformation or during the early church. They can't quote anybody agreeing with what they're saying because they're the only ones that have it. And so this becomes a real critical test. I had um, uh, a man that was associated with our church for many years, and he brought me a book, and he wanted me to read it, and it was on the end times. And I read, and it's interesting how he started out. He started out in the first few pages blasting everybody else's end time scenario. Well, that's the way it started. And then as he started going into his teaching, he was, again, quoting a lot of scriptures. But again, the test is not, is it in the Bible, but is this really what the Bible is teaching? And that was the case for him. But what I noticed as I read through, it was probably a 120-page book. What I noticed about him, Dennis, was that he could quote nobody else, anywhere else, that had anything even close to what he was believing about the end times, but yet he felt he had the truth. And so, again, we have almost 2,000 years of church history, 2,000 years of godly men and women, 2,000 years of the Holy Mm. Spirit guiding us into all truth. And when you can quote nobody else and you have no other reference that or or anyone else agreeing with what has been taught, then you know that these people are going the wrong way. And so I say, if it is the truth, somebody will have already seen it. And so I believe it. I believe that people will have already seen what is there. So, And it's good. The way I do my inductive Bible study, where I'm exegeting from the scriptures, is I like to search the scriptures and let the scriptures interpret themselves and use the Bible as its own dictionary and you know, look at the uh, who's it talking to, who's speaking, yes. you know, why is it being said, where, you know, mm-hmm. and what is being said and all of that, and really go through with a good hermeneutic, you know, historical, grammatical, contextual hermeneutic with the right heart, you know, of humility before the Lord, walking in holiness, you know, and, and going before the Lord, pre- uh, stripping myself from presuppositions and allowing the Lord to speak through his word. Then after getting an understanding, then I like to go and then make sure that it's not something I've come up on my own. I want to go out and see, has anybody else seen this? Amen. And go through and look sometimes 50, 60 commentaries, even historical commentaries uh, from way back. And that is, it's a confirmation. Wow. That was from the Lord. Amen. Amen. I, uh, one time was teaching a class and, uh, I quoted a verse that a lot of people quote, uh, especially in the Pentecostal charismatic movements, um, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Okay, so there was about 30 people in the class. It was part of a Bible college course that I was teaching. And I asked the question to this whole class. I said, where is that in the Bible? So there's 30 Christians, pretty serious Christians. They're all taking this Bible course. And it was interesting. I don't know why, but it was in this course. Only one man raised his hand and said, uh, they were they were saying different places where it might be in the Bible, but they were all wrong. One man raised his hand. He goes, I think it's in the book of Zechariah. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay. And I go, who was that said to? And nobody knew. Who was that said about? Nobody knew. What was the, the context in which it was said? Nobody knew where, what, where it was or who was, who, it was, who was it being said to. And so I found it interesting. And I just told this whole, this whole group, I said, listen, you guys are, we quote this verse all the time. <laughs> We don't know where it is in the Bible. We don't know who it was written to. We don't even know who said it. 
And yet we quote it and use it regularly. And I said, isn't that a a wake-up call for us to get to know the Word of God better, know the context in which we're quoting these verses? If I remember right, it was the Lord speaking to Zerubbabel Mm -hmm. and with regards to the restoration of Israel during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah when they came out of the uh, Babylonian exile and how that he was called to be a restorer to to, to one who was uh, uh, actually bringing back some of the... uh, materials that were taken into exile and reestablishing Jerusalem and the temple there during that time. Yeah, well, it was it, it was an angel who was speaking to Zechariah, and he, but he was, it was a statement to Zerubbabel. But the, From the, the Lord through an angel, yes. Yeah. And so, remember, he saw this vision of those yeah. two uh, oil, that was the, the olive trees that were there, and he asked, and the angel asked Zechariah, do you know, do you know what this is about? And he goes, no, I don't, I don't, under, I don't know, you know, yeah. he says, but I don't know. And see, that was the key of the whole Hmm. interpretation is that angel said it's not going to be by might it's not going to be by power but it's only going to be by the holy spirit that you're going to understand this interpretation of these two trees so so that whole context was really not about having more power and pentecost and all that it was about revelation that comes from the holy spirit so we can go off <laughs> we can go off because we don't understand the context we're not reading correctly what the word of god is saying isn't it so, interesting that he says you know and it's the same response ezekiel had there in ezekiel 37 can these bones live and he mm-hmm. says you know lord Yes, and that's the hard attitude we need to have is recognize yes. that He knows He's the revealer. Yes, uh, that gives the revelation, and then we go to Him, and then we learn, you know, by the Spirit, of course, and then doing our due diligence to be a workman that needs not to be ashamed, right? Yes, uh, and rightly handling the Word of Truth, and uh, so there's a laboring that goes on. You know, Paul, mm-hmm. Paul talks about uh, give honor where honors due, especially those who labor Amen. in word in doctrine, and and uh, it's like oxen, you know, laboring. Paul likens uh, oxen to to ministers of the gospel, uh, and and there's going to be a hard work that goes on when you're doing deep studies. There's some heavy lifting that happens. Now, just for an example, there that teaching, that understanding there of of Zerubbabel and the angel and the message that he was given as a restorer, mm-hmm. rather restoration, really there of of Israel and so on uh, in Jerusalem. Um, that there's that first application, so that that's really what we must understand. The original readers, mm, or the, you know, correct. who's who's speaking, who's they speaking to, what's being said, how is it being said, where is it being said, all mm-hmm. of that. But then there's the ability to then recognize um, that um, in some cases, like in prophecy, there's more than one um, actual fulfillment. Yes, and but then also multiple applications. Mm-hmm. So if we understand who's being spoken to, what's being said, how it's being said, where it's being said, all of that, then we can understand that um, when we come up against a challenge uh, and we realize that it's clearly God's will, he's asked us to do something, okay? And we are, through counsel, through prayer, through fasting, through studying God's word, God has asked us to accomplish something for his kingdom. And resistance comes from the enemy, from people, from the world, even our own minds, our flesh is trying to drag us down. We go back to God's command and we move forward in faith and obedience, realizing it's not by our power, nor by our might, but by his spirit, that that would be a fair application, recognizing from where that comes from. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Yes, that's a good uh, background. I, I want to say, too, as a, as a Bible teacher and as a pastor, I've uh, been pastoring here uh, locally since 1991. And there's been many times, Dennis, where 
there's some very difficult texts to work with. Mm-hmm. And and it's like very sincere Christians over the centuries have disagreed on the interpretation of a text. Mm-hmm. And I think as we come to a text like that, and that will happen often in the course of us, of a pastor teaching or a Bible teacher teaching the Bible, I think it's important for us to come and say, um, we, we're not sure of the exact That's way, good. and we can say, Here's what some men say. Here's what other people say. And then just kind of leave it at that. We don't, we don't have to be right every time. We don't have to have the exact interpretation right there. Maybe there will come a time when the Lord will give us greater understanding. But I think it is so critical. And we'll talk a little bit more hopefully next week about this is so critical that one of the root problems, uh, one of, and it is the main problem with deception is pride. When we get into Goodness. pride and we don't have that humility, we don't approach the scriptures with the fear of the Lord and a humility in our heart, we're going to get astray. We're going to try to prove points. We're going to try to be better than others and all those things. And we don't need any of that. We need to humble ourselves. It's okay if we don't understand a scripture perfectly right now. Maybe there will come a time when the Lord will give us a revelation. But if especially people have been disagreeing over that, we need to kind of present the different sides and just let it leave it like that. Just leave it in a humble place because it's not going to affect our salvation in many cases of those things when we're dealing with that. Because if it's something that's an essential truth, it's clearly revealed in the Word of God. No doubt. And I love how you um, do that in your other book, one mm, of your other books, um, uh, regarding uh, Jude and Second Peter. Yes. Uh, you, when it comes to the issue of Genesis six, there, mm-hmm. the sons of God looked upon the daughters of men and saw they were beautiful, and they took them for themselves for wives. And and so there's 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 some three main views on that teaching, and you and you yes. lay out you lay out you know different views, and and uh, there's some ambiguity with regards to exactly what that's talking about. Mm-hmm. But to to at least allow people to understand you know, what the different views are, and then uh, maybe even which way you lean. Yeah. Uh, we need to, you know, be silent where the scriptures are silent. We need to whisper where the scriptures whisper, and we need to shout where the Bible shouts. Yes. We need to major on the majors and minor on the minors. There you go. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Yes. So. And uh, so, yes, these are really helpful uh, tips here for us as citizens of the kingdom of God, talking all things kingdom here on Kingdom Talk Radio 1550 KXEX. The best talk in town every Saturday afternoon. Uh, and uh, we are glad that you're listening in. Please share and like. You can go to the podcast uh, platforms, uh, Spotify and uh, elsewhere. You can go to uh, YouTube and Facebook and share and like. And let's get the good news out. But let's also get out these deeper truths of the revelation of Jesus and who he is, who the truth, true Christ is, who the false Christs are, and as far as teachers as well. Um, and apostles even, as we mentioned earlier, there are uh, false apostles. Uh, in the revelation there to one of the seven churches, uh, he says, you've tried them that say they are apostles and are not, okay? Amen. Uh, and you found them to be liars. Amen. Yeah, and that's what we're doing here right now is we're wanting to really search and make sure that we're getting the real thing, not a knockoff, okay? We want the authentic authentic gospel, the authentic Jesus. Um, and Paul said, though we or an angel from heaven come and teach any other gospel than that which, which we, have, we have preached, let him be accursed. And he says, again, I say unto you, if anyone preach any other, any hetero gospel, other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. I like something that uh, Ed Cole, 
um, said years ago, he goes, I can tell when there's something false. He goes, it's plus or minus Jesus. There you go. He goes, they either add to him something that's not in the scriptures or they take away something from him wow. that is in the scriptures. So plus or minus Jesus. And so one of the things uh, we see over and over in any false teaching is they're getting the nature of Jesus wrong. His character is wrong. That's why I love Hebrews chapter one. I encourage people to really, really learn Hebrews chapter one. I think John chapter one, there's a lot of key things, obviously, that says there, you know, he was in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was God, the, the word was manifested in the flesh. Those are key critical doctrinal issues there with Jesus. And uh, there's, of course, many different places where you find a lot of key statements made about the nature of Jesus. But it's in Hebrews chapter 1, all 14 of those verses, where it talks about such a powerful, powerful revelation of the very nature of Jesus. It was through him that he made all things. All things were created through him. And um, all the angels are worshiping him. You know, he's the Lord who God created everything through him. You know, all these powerful, powerful statements are there in Hebrews chapter one. So I encourage everybody to really, really learn Hebrews chapter one to, to really understand the nature of Jesus Christ. We must have Jesus right. If you get Jesus wrong, everything else is going to be wrong. I, I tell people, if you get the incarnation wrong, a whole bunch of other doctrines are going to be wrong because the blood is not sufficient. All kinds of things become a problem. Mary's not a virgin. You know, all those things are going to be all wrong for people. And so we must get Jesus right. So it can't be pus or minus Jesus. We went the real Jesus. <laughs> so, there you go. That yeah. is that is so true, you know, and bringing and keeping things, you know, tangible here in our world, what's going on today, even locally. Uh, many years ago, there was a self-proclaimed prophet that uh, mailed you his end time or revelation for the end time church, right? Is that is that uh, is that is that something that happened right yeah, here? Yeah, again, it was a, a person here actually used to attend our church, and uh, again, a self-proclaimed prophet. He said he had visions from God. He saw a laser beam that wrote out the word prophet in front of him, and he um, again he had. Uh, put out material where every again everybody else was wrong his way was the right way and it was very hard to work with him he was not willing to humble himself he kept wanting to come back to our church and i kept telling him i go well until if you're willing to humble yourself we can accept you in here but he goes if you're just going to come and preach that you're right and everybody else is wrong then we're going to have a problem here and so he was the man that no he could quote from nobody nobody else he had no other source that was agreeing with what he was saying he was all alone and See, that in itself is a real problem. He was all alone in his beliefs. Nobody else believed what he believed. And so that's where he was getting off into error. And he could never see that. And he ended up passing away a few years ago. He was, in his, um, he was I think he was 70-something years old when he finally passed away. But he could just never get to anybody else. Uh, everybody else was wrong, and he was the only one that was right. So that was a real tragedy. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is that, um, pride gets in there and there needs to be a willingness to be submitted to the body of Christ locally into a local church and, and have that accountability. But I mean, it's one thing, even if he had a misunderstanding on something and he just kept that to himself and, yeah. and the Lord could have dealt with that and through the sitting under the teaching of God's word. But it's yes. when you bring something like that and you start proclaiming it and dividing over it, and I have the truth and no one else does, that's that's when it really becomes problematic. Because as we've said, you know, he that is a heretic, Paul said, after the first and second admonition reject, 
And so many times we, uh, you know, we, you went to him, you, 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 you admonished him more than twice. And, yes. and, and you had to end up rejecting uh, him because he was teaching false teaching and it was dividing the church. Yes. And that, that's the thing. That's one of the fruit that you want to look for in the teaching. Is it uniting God's people together? Is it bringing forth the unity, the spirit and the bond of peace? Or is it bringing division into the body of Christ? And uh, in all cases, the false teachings always bring division. It brings confusion. It brings division. It's a, a unhealthy doctrine. It's making people sick, spiritually sick. You know, so how we deal with these false teachers is exactly what you did there, Pastor Charlie, is we have to admonish them, as we just quoted there from Paul to Timothy there. Uh, and, and it's so important that we do this, that we uh, are courageous. We have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So we must stand up, as Paul did in Galatians there to Peter. He stood, withstood him to his face Amen. Uh, and uh, rebuked him, you know, uh, for... Uh, being hypocritical, you know, and uh, acting one way when the Judaizers weren't there from Jerusalem and another way when they were there. He stopped eating with the Jews. I stopped eating with the Gentiles and, and wanted to please these uh, Judaizers. We can't compromise. No. Well, you know, if, if, if I, uh, Paul says, do I seek the approval of men? Okay. Uh, do, do I seek to please men? If I sought to please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. Amen. We have to be realizing that we are uh, laboring for an audience of one, uh, and that is Jesus, and it's his approval and his acceptance. He said, when he says, well done, uh, you good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord, that's what we're looking for. And so we must be confident, full of faith, have the understanding and the tools to, to deal with this. And if you are running into this in your local church and... and uh, you're not in leadership and, and you're not uh, feeling equipped, then you can bring that person to, to the pastor, bring their name and ask the pastor to, to deal with it or the elders uh, to deal with it. Or if you encounter somebody out in the mall, um, don't bid them Godspeed uh, unless you are feeling equipped and called to address that. I do quite a bit of that myself. Maybe one of these shows will talk about different encounters that I've had I've, with a witch doctor in Africa, uh, everything from a um, New Age teacher in Palo Alto to uh, you know Mormon going into the Mormon temple, going into mosques, and uh, as an evangelist, I, I this is an area of of ministry that I I feel called to. And Paul went into the synagogue, and he brought riot or revival. <laughs> when you think <laughs> That's about good it, word. yeah, yeah, yeah riot so or revival. He, yeah, it was, he split the synagogue, and some went with Christ, some didn't. And so there's a, a particular uh, approach to that, and we want to definitely follow the example of, of Jesus and the apostles. But, you know, um, we, we need to, to move forward in confidence when we deal with this, don't we? Yes. Uh, this one immortality teaching that we yeah. talked about from the, the false prophet from South Africa, yeah. uh, the pastor of this one church called me because he knew I had been doing a lot of study in this area. And so uh, we, three ministers, the pastor— Another minister here, a well-known minister in the city, and myself, we sat down with this man who was bringing this teaching. Where he was doing it, it was he was doing it at home Bible studies. He had home Bible studies, and he was teaching this false teaching on immortality. That if we just had enough faith, we can live forever and never die. He was teaching this in the small groups, and it was causing a lot of problems in the church. So we sat down for, for three hours. We confronted him. I typed out eight pages of Scripture and different statements that we made to him. 
And we try to reason with this brother for three hours, all three of us together, and he, he would not accept it, you know. So that was sad to say that he didn't accept it. But it was important, like uh, I, I'm liking your emphasis right now, is that we don't just criticize, we don't just complain about it, but we go in love and we talk to people and we sit down with them and we detect it. We got to deal with it. That's the other deal. Right. We don't just... We don't just complain about it, but we got to go deal with it or sweep so, it under the rug. Yeah, and and not deal with it at all. Huh. So it was it was good that we dealt with it, and because this was starting to spread in this local church here in Clovis, it was starting to spread. This guy was bringing this up in different Bible studies and home groups, and uh, the pastor caught wind of it, and that's when we had to deal with it. And we had to tell him, hey, if you're going to teach that, you're you're not going to be allowed to be here with us. And so he wanted to continue to do it. And that's just the way it was. But it was important that we confronted him with the truth of God. He had the material right in front of him, and he knew it was wrong. He just kept saying to us, yeah, 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 and that was it. But he didn't agree with what we were saying. This is so important, especially we're bringing up local examples, Pastor Charlie. I'm so grateful that you got your hands on the plow in the field right here in Clovis, Fresno. And we're bringing real-life examples of of what's going on. We have uh, woke churches right here in Fresno and in Clovis that are promoting sexual immorality. They're actually bragging about it. We know that mm-hmm. Paul warned the Corinthian church with regards to the incestuous sinner that they were they were puffed up. They were proud of their tolerance. Wow. So it, it, it isn't even just the, the, the sin itself, but it's the pride that goes with it, the promoting of it. So we have to call these false prophets, false teachers, and false Christs out. Paul said in Romans 16, 17, now I beseech you, brethren, to mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. And in Second Thessalonians 3, he says, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him um, that he may be ashamed. And so uh, this is important that we do this. In Second Corinthians 3, 6, he says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly and not after the tradition which you have received of us. Amen. Uh, last year I met, uh, I had a pastor come and speak at our church and, um, I noticed that while he was preaching, he was spiritualizing everything in the text. He, (laughs) everything, uh, he was talking out of the book of Acts chapter 12 when the angel had released, um, uh, Peter through the prayers of the church, he got released out of that prison and he started spiritualizing what opening the doors meant, what the, the doors that was opened out to the city. He spiritualized every little thing. And I thought, ah, this is not right. And even some people in my church started noticing that he was doing that. And so I ended up calling him up. And here's something. I, I was afraid for a while there. I was thinking, ah, I, he, he might reject me. He might be, mm-hmm. you know, he might say that I'm I'm too hard or whatever. But no, I met with him at Denny's. Actually, this Denny's right across the street from here. I met with him. I sat down with him and I actually gave him a copy of my book. And I wow. said, hey, brother, when you spiritualize the text like that, you're giving us a different twist, a different meaning that mm. was not in just a real, just regular reading of the text. You were giving us a different, entirely different meaning. And I gave him, and here's the thing, all the things that I was worried about didn't come to pass. Wow. He humbled himself. He received what Wonderful. I had to say. We were good. And look that, at that guy really 
he and I are good friends to this day, and I'm glad that I was able to tell him that. He goes, because he says he's been preaching and interpreting Scripture that way for many, many years. That is such a great example, because the Scriptures can become like a face of clay, and you make it say whatever you want it to say. Yes. That's why that hermeneutic is so important, that we are exegetes of the Bible, and that we are watchmen on the wall, and we're looking out, and really— uh, looking over as good shepherds, you know, looking over the flock and making sure that there aren't wolves that are coming in and deceiving people. So this has been such an important hour of discussion regarding detecting and dealing with false teachings, false prophets, and false Christs. Uh, Pastor Charlie Avla, you can get the book online at Amazon, but let's let's dive deep. Let's do the heavy lifting. Let's go deeper on Kingdom Talk 2.0 going forward every Saturday afternoon. Join us here on 1550 AM. That's 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town. We're so glad you joined in with us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. God bless you. Bless you.